Hey guys, my name is Raylia Lewis. Hey, my name is Amber. And welcome back to Everything is Everything. Hey guys, so before this episode starts, I just wanted to pop on here real quick because I listened to every episode back before I published them. And I realized that in the beginning of this episode, I mentioned Kevin Samuel's name to try to tie in the topic and what I wanted to talk about throughout this episode. But I think I slightly missed the mark because I don't know if I would call Kevin Samuel's a colorist, right? And I don't want you guys to misconstrue what I meant. And I probably could have said it better, but in the heat of the moment, sometimes you just don't get everything that you want to get out the right way. So to clear that up, I don't think that he's a colorist per se, based on what I saw from his content. But what I do think is that he has created a volatile environment that allows black women to be undermined, undervalued, misrepresented, and disrespected. And I think I was trying to speak more towards that because colorism disrespects black women just as well as platforms like his. So... I don't want to go into the whole Kevin Samuels is a colorist thing, but his platform definitely perpetuates negative stereotypes that are geared towards black women. Thanks for listening to this really quick and short message. And now let's get back into the show. So today's show is going to be a little thick. It's going to be a little heavy because we are unpacking a really popular topic. I feel like this topic constantly like grinds my gears I've talked about this on a podcast before but today I'm presenting it in a different context and today's show is called preference versus colorism because I feel like people be playing in my face when I be talking to guys specifically black men about why they don't show my dark-skinned sisters more love why they don't see a dark-skinned woman as desirable, as beautiful. They tell me crazy things like, it's my preference. And I really feel like a lot of times people hide their prejudices with statements like, it's my preference. Do you? Yeah, people absolutely do. The same way people say like, oh, I'm not homophobic. I just don't agree. It's the same thing. Yeah, like it makes you feel better to not be a completely honest about how you really feel because you know the way you feel is some bullshit. You know it's discriminatory. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like people are really like they're not aware of their prejudices either, which makes it even trickier to even like yeah, heal through it or learn from it because it's like a subconscious thing. It's like a belief. It's like something you've always been conditioned to feel yeah. or think and you don't you don't see things any other way, but on a conscious level, you don't want to come off like a bad person. Right. You don't want to ruffle too many feathers. You don't want to feel like you're judgmental or maybe feel like you even buy into white supremacy right. or conditioning. So you are committed to proving to the world that you're fair mm-hmm. and that you love everyone and that you see beauty as diversity. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to your romantic interests, yeah, and I, I understand it because being a black woman, me going back and realizing that, oh, there's some things that I'm ignorant about. There's some cultures I don't understand. It doesn't feel good, especially no. when you 
are on the other end of it and you you see how you look at people who oppress you and who are prejudiced about you and you don't want to be that person exactly but it's better to look inside yourself and admit it and realize it and be open to different perspectives and to learning how you might be biased and that's a motherfucking word So we just spoke about like how some people who subscribe to colorism subscribe to it on like a subconscious level. Mm -hmm. So they don't even know what they're doing. And I feel like Kevin Samuels is like the perfect example of that. Because I feel like men like Kevin Samuels create these podcasts, these platforms where I feel like they try to like humble the black woman, like put them in a place like you think you that. Nah. Mm -hmm. And they create like really toxic conversations that kind of like put us all in the same box and it's always from a negative space it's never like our strengths like the good things that make a black woman a black woman it's always like we to this we to that we to this and i don't really watch too much of kevin samuel's content but i caught a video recently (laughs) right and it was mind-boggling to me because he brought on this like hispanic woman who did not identify as a black woman so I, I will not call her Afro-Latina or refer to her as a black woman she said she was not a black woman and she married into a black family mm-hmm. and she prided herself on being like a wife who submitted to her man who catered to her man and she made the correlation between his black relatives who were a woman and how they were like so against like treating him like a king or so against like her making his plate and she was like being snarky and cynical in a way where she was like, and maybe that's why I'm married. And I felt like that was a very dangerous conversation. Yeah. She called all the way up there just to say that. And he let her. Mm-hmm. Like he let her fuel this narrative that black women are complicated or argumentative or hard to love or hard to cater to their men. And I call bullshit. And I feel like we have to stop having conversations like this because they're only targeted and geared towards black women, not brown women, because when they're expressive, when they are assertive, it's sexy. Yes. They're feisty. You know, but when I'm assertive, I'm unlovable. I'm undesirable. You know, I'm hard to love. And I wanted to bring colorism into this conversation because we keep missing the mark there. We just keep missing the mark. People just feel like me preferring Amber because she's gorgeously light-skinned. It's completely okay. What do you think about that? I think... I think it depends on what your reasoning is. If you are targeting light-skinned women because you just feel like they look better or they are better, then that's a problem. That's clearly colorism and that's exactly what i'm speaking towards Mm because i think sometimes when we have this conversation as black women we're looked at as oh you just mad you bitter people can like what they like but let's talk about the elephant in the room yeah let's talk about the conditioning because we can acknowledge the conditioning when it's about racism Mm -hmm. we cannot we can acknowledge it even when it comes to like sexism and other isms right but whenever it comes to like colorism black women are constantly being like gaslit and like dismissed and being told that they can have their preference. And if you don't align with that, then just find somewhere where you fit. And the preference is fucking colorism. It's conditioning. Right. It's a form of prejudice. Right. And it's 
it's so easily fueled to make a black woman speaking out against it as the bad person or the person that's making everything about color because people just don't want to have those hard conversations. Right. They're, they, they're told they're bitter if they want to speak up on it. Exactly. And I feel like I want to use my platform to continue to speak on subjects that bother me. And and this is one of those conversations <laughs> or one of those times where it bothers me. You know, I don't, I'm not against dating anyone outside of your race. Mm-hmm. What I am against is saying you're pretty for a black girl. What I'm against is saying you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl. Mm-hmm. What I'm against is making it seem like it's okay for certain rappers or musicians to have songs where they covet or only speak about yellow bones and what they call them red nose and all these crazy terms that refer to light-skinned women being seen as as more desirable as more beautiful and then they want to pretend like that's just what i like all women beautiful no it's not that simple you're pushing conditioning you're pushing white supremacy yep and I wanted you to bring, when we talked off camera, you talked about this video that you wanted to speak on. Yes. I wanted you to unpack so, that. Um, this dark-skinned woman, she said she had to realize she had a little bit of racism in her. She wanted to marry a white man, and she said she had to realize it was because she wanted to marry her way out of oppression. If a white man chose her, then that meant she was worthy. And she said she had to go in and do years of internal work to realize that. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> you yeah, still gonna but... be Lexus. <laughs> you grew up to her for like for realizing. Now I can respect anyone, of, right? But a lot more people need to realize that that's the case. Now, when if you're with a light skin girl, you're with a white woman. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when you think that this gives you a different type of status, and when you think this is better or you think this removes you from your blackness or only seeing it as beautiful like beauty like beautiful i meant like Mm -hmm. to think that a skin color makes someone more beautiful is literally what racism is built on like (laughs) eurocentric beauty standards is the weapon that they use yes the paper bag trick all that stuff yeah and the way we still subscribe to that without generally speaking because of course you and i we're awake right but the way, like, when I look at some people and, like, their ideas of, like, what they want their children to look at. Like, you have seen people like, oh, baby goals. I rarely see people share, like, dark-skinned babies. Mm-hmm. I rarely see that. Yeah, it's sad. We're so, we've been so programmed to not see dark skin as beautiful, which is crazy to me. Because what is more beautiful than dark skin? Nothing. I have these two models that I constantly hire for my brand, Wave Swim. Mm-hmm. Two dark-skinned, beautiful girls. And, like, I shoot them together. I shoot them apart. I like the way they look at the stuff better than me because it's just gorgeous it's the way gorgeous. the sun hits them. And this is not all no, like, fetishizing bullshit. But we just want to acknowledge, like, how dark-skinned black women are so mm-hmm. beautiful. And so I try beautiful. to show that throughout my brands because there is a lack of representation. You know, mm-hmm. there's this idea that only one is enough which is tokenism and then we want to show this is me speaking about the industry mm-hmm. and the way the industry chooses to show their own form of black beauty mm-hmm. they want to define what blackness or black beauty is and i often feel like that when i look at commercials mm-hmm. when i look at movies like you rarely see dark-skinned women be love interests mm-hmm. in movies that's why what Issa Rae is doing is so amazing 
you know, because she's like definitely like knocking those, filling those doors. But I only think about Tika Sumter, who I think is an amazing actress. Yes. Who I think is so beautiful, and I don't really see her get as much shine as I feel like she deserves. She has the talent. Yeah. She has the looks. So the next thing that I'm gonna look at is, oh, she dark skin. Yeah. And it's not a reach, and I hate when people try to act like it's a reach. You know, like so many women are able to move through the industry, move through relationships so effortlessly because of their physical appearance. Yeah. The actress, what's her name? Bandy Newton. Is that yes. her name? So what did you? How did you feel about her I did apology? Not see, I did. I didn't even see it. I saw them talking about it on. Um, was it the real? But I didn't hear it for myself. So she basically made a, like a video for Instagram where she decided to apologize to dark-skinned black women for taking their men, which I kind of like cringed at, um, for using her privilege as a light skin. And she, I don't know if she considers herself to be black, but she looks like a black woman to me. Mm-hmm. But basically using her privilege to navigate an industry that never really included them, being aware of her privilege and never really addressing it. And she was apologetic. She was teary-eyed. I think this was her last project. And people had a lot of things to say. I saw some good. I saw a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. It was a cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> see, I didn't see it. So I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I think she had good intentions. I'm because sure I think did. we could agree. Like, I'd, I'm aware of my privileges, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a privilege when you're pretty. Pretty privilege is a very real thing. Yeah. We see a lot of girls get ahead in entertainment. A lot of girls get ahead with certain kinds of high-value men in my Kevin Samuels mm-hmm. voice because they're pretty. Yeah. Because when you're pretty, people care more about what you have to yeah. say. People are more biased. They will also let you slide yeah. because they're so enamored with your physical right. appearance. You're, like, more inviting to them. Yeah, they're more interested. Yeah. yeah, so when we look at pretty, right, and we understand that we've been conditioned. We know about racism. We know that colorism is a real thing. We know that pretty fuels light skin, non-black, texturism, mm-hmm. all those isms, right? And that becomes the identity that men create for their wives, for their girlfriends. You know, you could be my bro, but can you be my wife? The idea of their wife is based on this idea of pretty mm-hmm. that comes from society. Yes. And I just feel like we have to be more aware of those prejudices that we share and that we carry. It's not easy to talk about. You don't have to come on social media and announce, hey, I've bought into colorism. But you have to be aware of the way you're continuing to fuel a narrative that is harming people who look just like you. Yeah. It's like, don't be trick bag. Like, (laughs) don't let white supremacy have you. Like, they already, white supremacy takes enough. Like, yeah. Don't, don't let it take that, too. I agree. You made a good point earlier, too, where you talked about it, colorism in the reverse. In oh, regards to men. Yeah, yeah. I wanted you to talk about that because I thought it was an interesting point you made. Yeah, so with, you know, with light-skinned men, they're seen as more emotional, more feminine. The Drake and me. Yes, they're not yeah. as masculine. They mm-hmm. can't fight as well. This is true. But then sometimes they went through a point in, in, in throughout our lives where they were looked at as more attractive yeah. and as pretty boys too. Eighty, <laughs> <laughs> because you, when you think of a pretty boy, what do you picture? I picture a light skinned boy. Yeah, 
Yeah, so even though they get like the slack for like, mm-hmm. oh, you soft, they're also known for being like, oh, you pretty. Right. Which, Which also is... fuels the narrative that yes, to be lighter to pretty. Yeah. is pretty, right? Yeah. Do you think it's the same thing? Because dark skinned guys, talk about how dark skinned guys are viewed versus light skinned guys. You spoke on light skinned guys being mm-hmm. seen as pretty boy, being seen as mm-hmm. soft. How does society depict like dark skinned guys for you? So, different ways. They, society depicts dark skinned guys as more aggressive, more threatening, but also more masculine. Um, I think women depict them as more masculine. <laughs> More tough, more gritty. Yeah, sometimes more attractive yes. in a different way. Yeah, I think it's a different kind of attraction. I feel like with dark skin guys, it's more like protection, mm-hmm. more like smoldering, like dark yeah. and handsome. Whereas with light skin guys, it's like, oh, you're pretty. Yeah, it's a different feeling. Yeah, man, it's that's ooh. we kind of <laughs> messed up <laughs> because I think we all internalize that to some extent. I wouldn't say... I mean, we're all walking hypocrites. Yeah. It's just we have our different blinders, our different internal blocks. Yeah. And some of us are able to be self-aware and assess what we need to That's work. right there. And do the work, right? And sometimes we're able to look around us and look at the world, our mm-hmm. family dynamics, our friendships, and say, why do you think that she's pretty and she's not? Yeah. I was able... I grew up in a house where we were all different shades of brown. My mother's mm-hmm. dark skin, my dad is dark skin. I have two dark-skinned siblings, two light-skinned siblings, yeah. and then two, like, brown-skinned siblings. Same. So, it was like reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. So, colorism didn't exist in my house. Like, we were all allowed to be free, allowed to feel beautiful. I didn't really see colorism until I got into the world. Mm-hmm. And I started to see how I was treated versus other people. I started to be aware of my privileges, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was bullshit. And I had an experience when I went to Miami. Mm-hmm. I was, like, 24 and I was in a model house, and I was the only black girl. And I was, like, dying to see other black girls. Because being the only black girl, you know. Yeah. It ain't it. It's not. It ain't it. <laughs> so this girl named Andrea, she's a really nice girl, white girl, super sweet. We got really cool. And she was like, my friends are coming from Canada. They happen to be two black girls, so I'm elated, right? We go to dinner every night before we go to the club. They made the, the black guys who were, like, the promoters who, like, organized the dinners, who, like, made sure we got to where we got to safely. Mm-hmm. They made the two black girls who were visiting from Canada sit in the lobby while we ate dinner. What? So I had questions. Why are they in the lobby? You know what they told me? Oh, because their hair not straight. I call, that is- I call bullshit. They were dark skinned. They were a lot darker than I was, I'll say that. Beautiful girls. That is insane. Oh, my God. And I wouldn't eat. I was pissed. And it was, why are you acting like that? It was all the, oh what did you do? It ain't about, because I'm, you know me, I'm a, yeah. what's the problem? And I just, that was the first time I ever, like, really seen it like that yeah. blatant. There was another time I was in L.A. I moved there for a year. Mm-hmm. And... A friend of mine came from, like, the South, and she was like, I'm in town, like, let's link up. I got invited to, like, this pool party. So I'm like, I know the promoter, come through, like, come to the party. So she's outside of the party trying to get in. I tell the promoter that I'm cool with the go-getter. Mm-hmm. He's, he goes to see her and tells me she can't come in. I'm like, what do you mean? She doesn't have the look. 
You want to explain to me what the look is? The light and bright look. So, after cursing his ass off for about 10 minutes. <laughs> See, that second time, they had you cussed somebody out. The first time, you were probably shocked. I was shocked. It was a back and forth, but I can't really remember, like, the exact conversation. And they also weren't my guests. So, it was a little different. They were, yeah. they were with another girl, right? Mm-hmm. But this was my guest. You know, mm-hmm. so... I fought for her to get in. She got in. We had a great time. But he whispered to me, like, towards the end of the day, like, don't ever do that again, yo. I was like, bitch, don't ever talk to me again. Like, I was floored. And this is a black guy. And I've always seen colorism, like, enforced by black men. Wow. Every single time. I have had so many conversations with men, and they're like, oh, I only date light-skinned girls. The agents of white supremacy. <laughs> and I'm like, why so? Because I want them to understand like what they're doing, like what they're mm-hmm. subscribing to. And they're always against the idea that it's colorism and they always fight for it. it's my preference. When your preference excludes people based on skin tone, mm-hmm. it's colorism. It's no longer a preference. Right. It's called colorism. Right. And let's just call the thing a thing. That's it. And let's do the work. To, to get rid of, to debunk, to annihilate these ridiculous tools that were given to us that we continue to carry into mm-hmm. our everyday lives, into our family dynamics, into tradition. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who talked about having her baby and her family was more concerned with the baby's skin tone than the baby's health. That is so sickening. But if you say they're colorists, they're... No way. No mm-hmm. way. Because I feel like they only think... People can be colorism, comment colorists outside of them. People don't want to admit they're racist. Yeah. People don't want to admit they're colorists because then it makes them feel like bad people, which mm-hmm. goes back to my point of that subconscious belief. Mm-hmm. Consciously, I think I'm a good person, mm-hmm. but what do I really believe? And I ask myself questions sometimes, like, why do you feel that way? Why, yes. why do you see the world that way? Right. Because the only way you can really heal and get better is if you can ask yourself those hard questions identify where you need work Mm -hmm. and then right your wrongs and correct your actions right so i have no issues like i said let me say it again i have no issues with you dating a light-skinned woman with you dating a non-black or ambiguous woman but when you completely x out an entire demographic of people that belong to a race based on their skin tone that's when i have a problem and I often feel like sometimes dark-skinned men, and I'm not trying to make dark-skinned men a monolith, but in, mm-hmm. in my experiences, I felt like dark-skinned men have oftentimes looked outside of their skin tone for love because of the idea yeah. of what they want their children to look like and yeah. the kind of lives they want their children to be able to lead, live and lead. Yeah. And I've just recently had to have more empathy for people who do practice colorism. Um, like with Kodak Black. Okay. I was livid. I was like, I'm not listening to his music no more. Like, fuck him. Man, but fill me in on what Kodak Black did because I he was at know. a he was at a game, um, like a, a basketball game during an interview, and he said that he was like, I don't really like girls my complexion. And she was like, What? Why? He was like, I don't know. I just I never did. I don't really like my skin complexion. Oh. And it took me years to like sympathize with people who say things like that and realize that they actually 
don't like their skin complexion. So why would they go and have a child with someone or be in a relationship with someone who is that skin complexion? And that's a lot of pain that they're holding that for you to go through life and not like your yeah. skin complexion. And who told you not to like your skin complexion? That's the it's real the question. Oppression, yeah. And verbal abuse and everything that you've inherited. Absolutely, because so. they have a very different experience than you and yeah. I. Like I grew up in a household where, like I said, there were so many different shades of brown, mm-hmm. and no one was made to feel inferior or superior based on mm-hmm. their physical appearance. But everyone doesn't have that experience. My mom talks about her childhood a lot and how she was constantly referred to as black. Shut your black ass up your black ass this a lot of times when she was being um handled as a child for maybe something she did her complexion always was like at the the forefront of the reprimanding i'll say and she still carries some of that you know and i think that's probably why i'm really sensitive to colorism too is because of my mother and what i've been made aware of Mm -hmm. um and i just never i like i always like to be on the right side of history i always like for people to feel their best self and to not let society make them run away from who they really are i want that for everyone you know and it is sad to hear kodak black say something like that and i i can understand it but i i don't want that narrative to be pushed because of personal insecurities you know what i'm saying because then are we fixing a problem or are we just putting a band-aid on oppression right and you're right the first step is people realizing that this is what they're acting out they're acting out colorism and then once you notice that in yourself you can start to change and reprogram yeah it's so important like i just think it's wild to attribute beauty to one yeah like to a skin tone yeah. We're not talking about facial features. We're not talking about body types. We're not we're talking about color. Yeah, that is crazy. It really is. Like as black people, we should be the most fucking like with it. Like we you know, <laughs> yeah. we should be the most we should be we should embrace it more than anybody. Yeah. Like when I see dark skinned people, I don't know if this will make some people mad. When I see dark skinned people, I see God. Like it's it's like the most beautiful thing. Like I feel like dark skin is like the blueprint. Like everything else is is just as beautiful, and everything else is of God. But I feel like dark skin is is just like the original. I mean, when you look look at biblically, the way that he the, Jesus was even described in the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. hair of wool, skin of bronze. So mm-hmm. that's up to anyone's depiction. But when mm-hmm. I think of bronze, I think of dark skin. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that right there holds enough weight if you believe in the Bible or respect, you know, the origin of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I think that these kinds of conversations, because sometimes people get upset when you big up yes. dark-skinned people, right? And that's why I said some people might get mad. But, but it's necessary. Mm-hmm. They need to be bigged up because they're constantly torn down. Yes, absolutely. We don't need to be told how we're beautiful. We already know. I've always <laughs> felt my space in the world. Yes. I never had to walk in a room and be like, damn, my skin color when it came to me being seen as attractive or even me getting a job. Because I know when I'm the black girl on set that I fit into the idea of what they want a safe black body to look yeah. like, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm real really aware thing. of that. I'm really aware of that. So I never try to make it seem like colorism harms me. 
Because I feel like we have that conversation within the black community, especially amongst amongst black women, where I see so many light-skinned girls sometimes talk about how dark-skinned girls were so jealous of them. I've never experienced that. Never experienced that. And I don't want to dismiss anybody's experience, but I do think that people can subscribe to colorism in a way that's not always popular, meaning like you can try to make yourself the victim Mm -hmm. to really push the beliefs you have and not make them seem as cringy as they really are. Like if I say that I was treated bad by a group that's held down, maybe people will have some grace for me or maybe I can feel better about myself because I'm reacting to what happened to me. I didn't just wake up and say, y'all are ugly. (laughs) You know? Seriously, like even with the Cardi B thing, I remember she had like called like black girls roaches. Mm. It was like on social media. I did not know she said. I that. believe it was her. I'm sorry, Cardi, or was it Queen Nigel? It was one of. It was either Cardi or Queen Nigel, but I think they both had an issue with colorism. Mm-hmm. And people were like, "Well, that was their experience. They were bullied. Like, what do you expect?" And I just feel like light-skinned girls, ambiguous girls, non-black girls get so much representation. They are always included in a conversation. They always have someone to pull from. Like, I remember when I first decided I wanted to model, I could see myself in Tyra. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a possibility for me. And it was a possibility for me that was kind of like revered because when you looked at Tyra, she was a sex symbol, Mm -hmm. right? Now, when you look at a Grace Jones, to some people, she's a sex symbol. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about our culture... Yeah. There's not too many little girls that are like, I want to look like Grace Jones. Right. I want to be Grace Jones. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was, I had someone to look at that people could unanimously agree. She's sexy. Yeah. You probably could do that. Yeah. And I think that's why our representation is so important. Mm-hmm. I think that Grace Jones is sexy and is powerful and is amazing. But I don't think that little black girls where I came from were able to really relate to her. And were able to really aspire to be her because of the conversations that were happening based on how Grace Jones looked and how right. black men saw her beauty. Right. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like how she was seen. Yeah, because I thought that she was amazing and powerful. She's an icon. But what do your black neighbor say that you think cute about a woman who looked like that? Right. What's his conversation? What's his critique of her aesthetic? Because that's a lot of times where we find our confidence. We look for that outside of ourselves. So how do you know you're pretty if nobody ever called you pretty? Right, yeah. And we get that mirrored back to us constantly. Absolutely. That's why I always speak about colorism from the space of how it's harmful to dark-skinned women. Right. And I always speak about my privileges, not even buying into or saying I'm light-skinned because that's debatable. I don't even know half the time. Some people think I am. (laughs) Some people think I'm caramel, whatever. It's always debatable. Yeah, but I know that I'm able to maneuver in ways that women who are darker than me can't. Or I'm able to speak up in ways even that women who are darker than me will probably be torn down or not even paid attention to or be called bitter because they're speaking about their experience mm-hmm. and how it affected them. Yeah. Yeah, like we all, we experience colorism, I guess, but we're definitely not victims of it. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it works for us, unfortunately. And it's not our fault, right. but I think it's important that we speak out and speak up yes. about the truth and not make it seem like, oh, it's not happening. It was not that deep or everything isn't that because most shit is that. Yeah. 
Where I, because I'm a writer, where I notice that a lot that irritates me is in film. Okay. Whenever they want to cast a black woman, they always got to be light-skinned. And then people say, oh, but it's a black woman. Like, why are you complaining? That's the gaslighting. Yes, it's gaslighting. It's saying this is the particular type of black woman that is acceptable and that we're comfortable with. Absolutely. You look at the Holly Berries, who I love. I love. I love the Zendayas. You know, but should but should Zendaya represent blackness or black woman? No, that's only one aspect of a black woman. There's so much more that's not getting portrayed. That's not even getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, like the roles that you get when you fit into like this idea of, or construct of what black beauty is versus the roles you get when you don't are like night and day. Night and fucking day. And I think the 90s did a really good time in entertainment where they were able to depict black women and make them sexy yeah. and make what them... The yeah, because you look at like the Nia Longs, the Gabrielle Unions, yeah. you know. There was a lot of beautiful black women um, throughout that era. Now, I remember the Pam and Gina narrative yeah. and how people would talk about how Gina was yeah, depicted was versus Pam. And it was problematic, right? But now I just feel like when the 2000 era came, you really stopped seeing a lot of like different skin tones and deeper, darker skin tones. And it really just became like anybody that looked like Beyonce, anybody that looked like Holly Berry, mm-hmm. you know, the Dandy Newtons, like that kind of beauty just became the only thing, you know, the you're getting the lead role if you look like that. Yeah, you are. And what does a little dark-skinned girl who has dreams of one day being, being a leading lady, how does she feel about her beauty? How does she internalize the lack of representation? Yeah. How does she find her space and her way if nobody's going to make the world a little better for her even by having these hard conversations and maybe even hiring someone who looks like her to do something that hasn't been done yet? Yes. Yeah, it's, that's so true. Um, we definitely have to keep pushing mm-hmm. and people have to keep speaking up. People have to look at themselves as far as film. What I was talking about, we need more black productions of For sure. black people actually choosing these actors. Yes. Yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And like I said, I love what Issa Rae is doing. Mm-hmm. Because am I saying her name right? Yeah, you are. Okay, <laughs> you said Zendaya's name wrong though. Okay, because like I love her. No problem. Like, She's beautiful. Boo. She's gorgeous. <laughs> Sorry, boo. But um, yeah, I think when I started to see Issa Rae transition into film and become like the leading lady and like the love mm-hmm. interest in film, yeah, that means so much. I was like, this is iconic because mm-hmm. her kind of beauty wasn't the kind of beauty that you would see when you saw a leading lady in prior films. Right. You know, like we said, Holly Berry's a sex symbol. The other girl from Col- Colombiana, what's her name? Um, Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana is a sex symbol. You know, Gabrielle Young is a sex symbol too, but very small window, you know? Yeah. But overall, generally, seeing Issa Rae was dope as fuck through that. I think what she's doing is amazing. We need more people she's like amazing. that. Even Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry does a great job. I feel like too of like broadening the spectrum yeah, when it comes he, to like diversity yes. and skin tone. He he does for Taraji P Henson, mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that we decided to talk about this. 
Yeah. And anybody who, you know, wants to reflect on it, just be patient with yourself. Notice the preconceived notions you're making about black people. Um, notice like your dating trends. Yes. And your baby goals. <laughs> Don't be hard on yourself. Just because people are are too much in defense and that's not getting us anywhere. I agree. Like just be gentle with yourself and pay attention to it and realize that it's the programming. Real really realize that it's white supremacy. And I blame everything on white supremacy, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing I'm going to do. Is that's I'm fair. Blame some shit on white supremacy. Fair enough. But it's true. Yeah. It's true. And fair enough. Set yourself free. Set yourself free. We're going to end on that. And now it is time for our first segment, IG meme of the week. My meme of the week is you did not wake up today to be a weak ass bitch. Mm. <laughs> right then on my forehead. Yes, I look at it every now and again. Um, to me, it means that I didn't wake up to choose fear. I love that. Or I didn't wake up to like not know my power. Mm. Or I didn't wake up to not fight through whatever I'm going through. Like, it can mean whatever I needed to mean that day. Yeah. But the point of it is, like, I'm not weak. Like, I'm powerful as fuck. Like, I'm God. God is in me. I love that. You got (laughs) to teach... No, you got to speak to yourself like that. Because sometimes you do lose yourself. Like, sometimes the role gets a little rickety, you know, a little rocky. And you may not feel your best. Mm -mm. Sometimes I go look at the things I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me. But, like, mantras like that, like, reminders like that are important, too, because you ain't no weak-ass bitch. Nope. And not. when I feel like a weak-ass bitch, you know, I'm going <laughs> to read that and be like, you ain't no weak-ass bitch. No, like, I woke up to, like, to live life. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to, to live this shit. And when I'm in moments where I'm just really down or I'm depressed, me... Loving myself is also the opposite of being weak. Like me allowing myself that space. I love to that. be to be vulnerable and be like not my best self and to accept the ups and downs of life. Like that makes me powerful, that makes me strong. That's the opposite of a weak bitch. So I love this meme. I love it too. It I really need you to send me that. I'll send it to because you. Because I'm gonna need that. <laughs> So my meme is no one talks about the trauma that comes with your female friends betraying you. Like mm-hmm. I literally have PTSD when it comes to developing new relationships with women. Wow. I have to be honest and say that I this is me. Like I feel like this. Mm-hmm. I feel like we always talk about PTSD and trust issues when it comes to like romantic relationships. But when it comes to platonic relationships, I feel like the bar is just, like, so low Mm -hmm. when it comes to giving people space to grieve or to not be trusting or to be a little apprehensive and a little, like, suspicious of, like, letting people in. The older I got, I feel like when I reached my 30s, I started to want, like, more quality people around me. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you're in your 20s, it's about 
You like blue, boo me yeah. too. Like let's go turn it up and we both gonna wear blue. Like we have fun. Yeah, and it's like no real substance. Mm-hmm. It's like we partying. We we dating and you the third man. What you call it? The wingman. You know, we having our fun. But when it comes to like life mm-hmm. and it's ebbs and flows, you begin to see like who's really in your corner. Yeah. And a lot of times with friends, specifically friends who do the same thing as me, I think mm. it's important to mention it. When I be friend models, I feel like it always becomes this like weird friend of me dynamic. Wow. Where it's like, how can I compete with you without you knowing? Mm. Or how can I make myself look as good as you look to me? Right? Because a lot of times we project. Right. You know? And I've always been the kind of model where if you came to me with a question, if you came to me and needed some something from me, even down to my agent's email, like I would give it to you. Like I've always been that kind of person because I don't feel like you can take my job. <laughs> you know? And I don't ever want to feel that inferior by another woman that I police spaces. Right. And I've, I got too much pride. Like, yeah. I can't let myself do sucker shit because I'm a... <laughs> seriously, I'm a regret the sucker shit. Right. So if a girl came to me and was like, yo, where your audition at? I'll give it to her. And it's been times where, like, I've done that and a girl booked a job and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Yeah. It was meant to be. So I've been a kind of person where it's like if we had a connection and we built a friendship and you needed my support, it was there. But what I realized is that I wasn't always getting that back. Now, I can't speak to every friendship, every situation and say, well, this is the reason why this person was unable to give me back what I needed. Mm -hmm. But what I am able to speak on is how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the way it felt. I didn't like to feel used. I didn't like to feel needed when I felt like I couldn't rely on you for even half as much as you needed me for. Yeah. So after those friendships went like awry, I got to a place where I was like, no new friends, <laughs> no girls, you can't trust them, everybody not happy for you. And it began to create toxic and negative feelings for me emotionally. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've been there. So I had to start doing that healing work. Because I didn't like the way that I was showing up in the world and the energy I was putting out. Because what you put out, you get back. Mm -hmm. Even if it's from a place of trying to survive and protect yourself, you can still do that the wrong way. You can do it incorrectly. And it can allow you to not feel your best self. You won't be vibrating as high because you're holding on to all this bitterness, to all this pain, to all this trauma. And it's really hard to figure out how to let it go. So when I saw this post, I was able to not only agree with it but relate to it and be like damn i got more work to do yeah so now i'm manifesting better friendships like yeah like i'm being intentional about i want more quality women Mm -hmm. i want women who's smarter than me Mm -hmm. i want friends who are along for the journey not for really the model and what it looks like but who really genuinely like me and want to see me do well. Yeah. I don't care what field they're in. I don't care who they love. Right. I just want good nature and good spirited people yeah. around me. Like a real friend. A like real really friend, friend. That I feel comfortable enough that if I want to be a mess today and be like, girl, I ain't feeling my best. I feel like I can do that with you. Yeah. And I ain't got to wear my like uniform and my armor and act like I got it all together because I don't want you to see me slipping. 
Yeah. You know, that I've had friend. friendships that I felt like, let me not tell her that because she might like that. She might enjoy that. Wow. And it's, that's not a healthy friendship. No. Do you feel like you can relate to like the friendship PTSD? Yeah, because I think people underestimate how much it actually hurts when a friend hurts you or they don't meet your standard or they betray your trust. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's, where we grow up and we kind of believe like oh well you know it's a friend i'll just get another one and really it's not like that really it's like a breakup yeah and it sticks with you and once you're hurt it's like your body learns how to not let it happen again survival mode so you're you're building up these walls like throughout my 20s i realized like i was just building up these walls and i didn't realize it of all the times that friendships hurt me yeah I think you're so right when you say it's not talked about because I didn't even real I I didn't know it was a thing until you started talking about your situation. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a thing, and it takes it does take a while, um, and it takes a risk. Like you have to open yourself back up. Yes. You have to trust that God is going to bring better friends into your life. Think more positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm reading the book now where it talks about how oftentimes when we think about our future, we catastrophize it. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we we make it catastrophic. Yes. Right? So we think the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And we often do that with people. Yeah. You know, I like her, but let me keep a close eye on her because X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I'm trying to reframe and reprogram the way that I show up and the way that I feel and think by stopping that thought when it gets there and be like, what if she's everything I thought she was and more? And what if I can learn? And what if we can build a solid bond? And it's okay to be open to the possibility that everything is going to work out just fine, including your friendships. So we healing, we working. (laughs) (laughs) My um, my show that I'm watching is so connected to that to okay what talking about. what's it called oh we're actually about to get into that perfect segue we'll be right back and now it is time for the very last segment what am i watching right now So the show that I am loving and watching right now is ironically Real World Homecoming. And I feel like that may be the most bizarre show to be watching right now for my age group. But I love the show. Mm-hmm. I finished two seasons. I've binge watched wow, them both. Seasons? It's been two seasons and I've seen them both. I got my man watching them <laughs> with me. What I guess what drew me to the, sh- to the shows was just the like nostalgic aspect like, I love anything that makes me feel warm and cozy and happy. And that show just has that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. It can be messy. Mm-hmm. It got some drama, of course, because it's the real world. Right. But for me, the nostalgic aspect, like, trumps it all. Mm-hmm. The show touched on the issues we're facing today. It's the real world. I did not watch any of the original world real worlds, ironically. So, I don't really... Like, I was watching it in real time. So, they right. would, like, kind of, like, switch back between past and present. Okay. And it was so cool because the way they filmed it, it was the same way it was filmed originally. Wow. Okay. So, they would show... Like, it will be the, the same house. Season. Like, it will be the same exact house. They would, like, split screen it. Wow. And they would have, like, say, say I pulled up in 1990. Mm-hmm. 
to the house first. I will pull up in 2021 the same way and be like, and you know, you're still who you are. Right. Oh my God, I'm back. And then the the other screen is showing like you for the first time at 20. So it was really cool to see how much they've changed, Mm -hmm. where they are at in their lives. And then it was moments throughout the show where like, the TV would pop on and they would show like something that happened throughout the season that like kind of like shook the house and kind of like mirrored where the world was during that time and where it is now. And like so many of the the issues that they were experiencing in the nineties, we're still experiencing today. Like the police brutality, racism, it got deep. It got deep. It was also entertaining. It was very loving because they had a more shorter fuse 30 years ago so now they were in a space where they could be more gracious and Mm -hmm. they could like really sit down and like understand that person's side and Mm -hmm. they didn't always get it right but it was more room to grow okay so i was just captivated by the different characters Mm -hmm. the different situations and just like i said for me just the nostalgia of it all like i just i loved it so if you haven't checked it out make sure you check it out real world homecoming i watched it on amazon prime I didn't know it was like that. That's really cool. Really cool. That didn't That's it what up. drew me to it. Like, just showing, like, the memories and how it, like, aligned with the current space they're in. I yeah. thought it was so, so funny. Like, I saw one clip when the guy said the N-word and Tammy. Oh. Having, it was so That was funny. awesome. I ate that <laughs> up. Like, it's so ironic because although that was offensive, I was able to laugh at, like, what yeah. the fuck I was watching. <laughs> it was funny. Because it was exhausting, but it also <laughs> was, like, hilarious. Yeah. So I was cracking up, and that made me jump and go watch that season. Because I had already finished season one. That's season two. Okay. Yeah, so if that wasn't enough, I hope that my description of this show actually sold all of you guys on The Real World Homecoming. Yeah, I'm going to go watch it. Hey. What I'm watching right now is the show called Dollface. Oh, I've never heard of that. It was a little weird when it first started, but it's so cute. Like, I even teared up in some parts. It's a straight comedy. Okay. <laughs> it's this girl. Her boyfriend dumps her, and he drops her off at, on this cliff, like this mountain cliff, and she gets on a bus. Driving the bus, there's a cat lady. She's a woman, and she has a cat as a face. Weird as fuck. <laughs> all, all the girls on the bus are crying. And the woman explains to her, this is the trip for you to learn how to have female relationships again. Oh. You're with your, your partner, and you cut off all your female friends, and now it's time for you to get back in. So throughout the show, she's learning, and I feel like I'm about to cry talking about it. <laughs> she's learning how to be a woman again and like have these important female friendships. She goes to her old best friend's house. And one scene that I love, they were at the club, and the girls that she worked with saw them and they ran up and hugged each other. And she was like, you know them? And they were like, no, we just met. But that connection was so beautiful that like when you see a woman, like it should be all love. Like women yeah. go through too much for us not to like when we see each other, it should be here. Like it should be, we're sisters. Like I got you. When you look at me, you need to know that like I'm going to uplift you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to have your back. Like, and I've often felt the opposite. Yeah, and it's sad. And I feel like I've oftentimes tried to go through my life that way. Now it's a little more complicated because of the the trauma that I have from female yeah, friendships. Yeah, fair enough. But this show reflects how imp- 
important it is, like how extremely important it is for women to have strong female friendships. And I kind of just got my friend group back and please explain so much quality to my life. So like, when you say friend group, like did you go on like a hiatus where you guys stopped communicating? Yes. Yeah, so it's me, my sister, and our friend from high school. And we all used to hang out, um, but with our other sister and another female friend. So my our other sister, she does her own thing. The female friend, she's like not in the picture. But us three, we hang out and we just went on vacation together. And it was like when we clicked back up, it was just amazing. Like we were all in the same place in our life. And we have all said on at least one occasion, like, I don't know what I would have done in the past year without y'all. Like, wow. We help each other get through our day. Like, they're just always there. It's such a supportive, like, loving, like, girl power relationship. And I'm like, I'm, I need to always have this. Like, yeah. women, we need this. Like, yes, it might fall off and, and things happen. Your but life it's takes so its course. Important. Like, we, we always have to have this in our life. It's too important. I agree, and I kind of want that for myself. Yeah, I'm telling you, I pray for that, too. Like, I wrote it down. I prayed for it. Like, I did the Sierra prayer, kind of, but for, but I was for like, friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? I know if I pray for this, I'm going to get it. And I like I went on Bumble and everything looking for friends. Really? <laughs> yes. And that's Bumble. It's like a dating app. Yes, but they have a friendship part, too. I had no idea that was even a thing. Yeah, but that didn't work out. But it's okay, because then God... Yeah, the universe is always working for you and I and all of us. So it it kind of brought that to you anyway. So when I say that I want that, it's not that I I feel like I don't have friends. I have a best, I have two best friends, but I do think you get to a place in life where you need something different sometimes. Like I have Elise, she was always there, but it's different. And then sometimes people are in different places in life. Whereas though maybe that friend can get to you or be that mm-hmm. support all the time for you right. based on what they're experiencing and what where y'all are in life. Right. You know, so I'm just eager to meet different women. Like I said, I want people who are maybe more spiritually developed than I am. Like teach mm-hmm. me about meditation in a way that I've never experienced it. And mm-hmm. not that I want to put my trauma on people, mm-hmm. but I just want to grow with someone and learn new things and experience yeah. new things and be open to different possibilities yeah. that I've never been aware of because I've always had like my own blockers, my own blinders, mm-hmm. and I've always been in my own comfortable space. Yeah. So, and that was the thing too. I was like, I need friends that are that are emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. Not that at least my best friend, she's she's very emotionally mature. But a lot of other friend groups I had, people were they didn't have that like understanding. Yeah. And they are so, like, our emotional maturity level is the same. And for a while, I was around a lot of people where their maturity was a little, not to make it seem like I'm, like, better than anybody because I'm not. Their maturity was a little below mine, and it would get exhausting. And I'm like, I need friends that are, like, that are doing the internal work. Yeah. Because when you're around people who project that chaos, it's... Yeah, and some people don't even, like these kinds of conversations mm-hmm. and I, I need friends where I can speak this way too. Like some people just want to turn up. They want to have fun. Mm-hmm. They want to get a bag. But when it comes to like talking about like therapy and manifesting, like mm-hmm. they're not really interested in that kind of dialogue, right. you know? So I feel like maybe that's what you were speaking to. Like yes. y'all can relate in certain ways, but in yes. certain ways you didn't feel as watered, you right. know, yes. I can totally understand that. And I'm, I want 
friendships where I feel watered, you know, where I feel like I'm blooming. And I, when I feel like if I fall off, like you chair me to get back up, not reveling, you know, yeah. in my little, my little temporary state of, yeah. you know, of a storm or whatever you'll, you'll have it or you'll call it. So I want to watch that show. You should watch it. It's so cute. It's so What's funny. it on? It's on Hulu. Okay. So I probably could find it on Prime. I'm pretty sure I can. I think, like, everything's on Prime. Yeah. Right? You might have to pay for it on Prime. That's fine. I normally pay for everything <laughs> on Prime. But thank you for sharing that. You're that was welcome. awesome. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.